Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. This is our Street Smart Hour. We are so thrilled to be kicking it up with you. I love this hour because this is where we just kick it up. We talk about the stuff that's really important to us in our everyday lives, and we make a difference in the world. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basile, and um, this is just one of about 15 hours of live radio that I do each week because I absolutely love it. And if you want to find out more about me, just check it out on the website, www.thedrpatshow.com. And I want to make sure that you all sign up for a newsletter. We've got something really cool that we've started. Uh, we're going to be giving away each month to one of our absolutely phenomenal members, people that are in our newsletter, an iPod with 20 of the best of the Dr. Pat interviews that we've ever done. So it's kind of a cool thing. We're loving every minute of it. And it's because of shows like tonight with my very, very special guest that we get to reach out to so many of you to create the absolutely incredible lives that we desire. My guest tonight is Debrina Jackson-Gandy. She is joining me here today as one of the top people in the world of human potential and making life as juicy as it could possibly be. She is frequently quoted spiritual growth expert for Essence Ebony Black Enterprise Magazines and a repeat seminar leader at New York's Open Center. Beyond that, she has kicked it up with some of the best. Debbie Allen, Dr. Maya Angelou, uh, Shirley Ralph, Alice Walker, Gladys Knight, and guess what now, Dr. Pat. She's joining me here today as she has joined so many people, people like Iyala Van Zandt that we both were in the presence of not too long ago. And today our show, as you will hear, is about the art of becoming a juicy woman. And I am ready to kick it up with Debrina. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Are you ready to join the show? I am ready from one juicy woman to another. I am so excited to be back with you. Thank you. It's incredible. Now, not to mention, you've got a couple of really cool books. The one that I love is Sacred Pampering Principles, and we're going to talk about that. But also, All the Joy You Can Stand. And I wanted to ask you this question. Because we're talking about being juicy women, what is it about your life that you would say is totally juicy? Well, I think that if we are living a life that is aligned with our values and aligned with our passions and we are sexually free and we are in a state of joy, and we have beauty around us, and rich relationships, and prosperity is flowing, that to me is a juicy life. Now, I don't have all those pieces exactly where I want it, but they are absolutely well on their way. And I think that's all that the Creator asks of us, is that we stay in joy, we enjoy each moment, we have really meaningful relationships, and we're not living in struggle and pain, and so based on that criteria, I declare and decree that I have a juicy life. <laughs> I love it. You know, I went and I looked up the word juicy because I use it a lot. I know you use it, and I went and I had to look it up because we were doing this show today, yes. you know, to become uh, juicy women if we're not that already, and what I loved is when you go to look it up in Webster, the word succulent. 
Yes. You know, and let's let's take a look at this for a minute because you know this is the life that we're creating. You know, we're actually looking and longing for having absolutely vibrancy in every aspect of our being. Yes. And I wanted to ask you about that because sometimes it seems like that's impossible for us to do. I mean, what's your take on it? Mm. Well, you know, I think about juicy fruit, right? Because that really <laughs> gives us a wonderful um, example outside of ourselves as to what does it mean to also, as you take those same qualities and relate it back to being a juicy woman. And so a piece of juicy fruit, and I think of a peach for some reason, is filled with sweetness and it's plump, and it's got sweet juice inside of it. And so a juicy woman is one that even though we're in a world that gives us a lot of reasons to not stay in joy and to stay with our inner light and love being sweet, she can choose to, in this crazy world that we live in, or sometimes I should say it gets crazy, it is possible to learn how to believe from a place and to speak from a place and and be involved in practices on a daily basis that really do keep you unblocked, that keep you in a state of constant forgiveness because that is an essential practice for a juicy woman because we have a lot of reasons to have grievances and be upset and withhold against people. And so it is possible to absolutely keep yourself unblocked, to keep the energy within you flowing and keep it sweet. And really, that's what my my commitment is every day when I wake up. So I have a lot of reasons um, that I could, you know, complain even. Um, but that's what Juicy is being a, is about: is keeping that energy sweet and keeping it flowing and keeping it unblocked. Well, you know, I want to first of all let me thank you for joining us here today. For those of you just plugging us in here, I am thrilled to be having. Uh, on the show today, Debrina Jackson Gandy joining me here today. Today's show is about juiciness. And, you know, we're taking this conversation on because, quite honestly, I am not really happy with the conversation about recession, about lack, and, and about taking or withdrawing or constricting our energy. That's right. And, you know, this is, this is really the conversation that I know you have with so many people. I mean, it's really clear that this is a passion for you. I want to ask you, Debrina, as we open up this conversation about juiciness, what do you believe? What do you believe causes us to be so tight, so constricted, you know, our energies to be of, of that of scarcity, almost losing our breath? What the heck is going on today? Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, being in college and taking my first economics course, and the fundamental law of capitalism is there is not enough. Mm. Scarcity is an actual law that a whole economic system has been built on, and we are born into if we're in America and many other places around the world. So we have to understand it's almost like a fish in water, and we come onto onto the earth plane, particularly in America, we come into agreement about a law that there's not enough supply-demand. Some will have, some won't, and that's the way it is. And so it becomes quite challenging sometimes to navigate 
in a culture where that's a fundamental law that drives so much and not get, I'll say, infected by that belief and see it reinforced around you, though it may be, and it certainly is, an absolute illusion. So that's the first thing we have to recognize. And then a lot of agreement starts to build, and it's almost like, you know, the pull of the ocean when you're trying to get out of the water and go onto the beach and it keeps pulling you back in. So you really have to do some serious, deep root work um, with ourselves because this whole scarcity thing is so embedded um, and pushed deep down almost into the, the cellular level. But we either, you know, the Bible says, as many great wisdom texts and books of faith say, you can't serve two masters. So if you really are committed to being a juicy woman, then you absolutely have to disengage yourself from the beliefs that most people are operating from. And it, and it reminds me of that movie, The Matrix, where Neo, which represents every single one of us, given the opportunity to wake up, and he chooses to, to, to wake up. But as a result of that, he has to go through what temporarily is a very painful deprogramming process. And so there is a time, I'll, I'll, you know, it's almost like turbulence or a, a rite of passage as you kind of um, disengage yourself from the, the common beliefs, but it is possible to be in the world and not of the world. You know, you can say, I'm a little tired today, I'm sick, and no one will question you, but to say, I'm exquisite, I'm amazing, I'm phenomenal, people raise an eyebrow, because that is really the natural state. But when we go insane, which, which most of this world has gone insane, then what's natural becomes considered unnatural or the exception. And then the norm becomes what actually is a mutation. So um, it really is about being sane when you decide to be juicy because that's how we were designed. And it's much easier to go with the natural flow of your design than to try to be something you're not. Hence why so many of us are stressed out and dried up and depleted and tapped out is because we find ourselves in our unnatural self because the world conditions us to be out of the self. And so I'm really trying to get back to my natural self, which is being a juicy woman. So it's not difficult if we understand what's really going on. It's not a battle. It's the, it's the direction of the flow to be juicy. And this other stuff, you know, really does get in the way. You know, I love what you're talking about because, you know, if anybody's going to talk about Juicy, it's going to be you. I mean, there's just like no question in my mind about that. I mean, here you are, best-selling author, transformational speaker, consultant, success coach. I mean, the principles you believe in are being worthy and capable of having the life you desire and deserve. And I want to, I want to kick that one around for a little bit, mm. you know, because we can talk about the very essence of some of these at a really conceptual level. And, you know, and that's, you know, what a lot of people do when they talk about abundance, prosperity, global consciousness. Yeah. But the bottom line is, if you're not feeling deserving yeah. and don't demonstrate it, everybody listening to this show, I want to tell you right now that if somebody pays you a compliment and you say, never mind, I'm going to be talking to you. These are the things we do to push that stuff away. Where do we start as women? Because I'm women, because I believe and correct me on this, that sometimes we start at the very essence of not believing we deserve stuff. Mm. 
What do you what what can you say about that? Am I off my rocker or am I just projecting? <laughs> Probably both. Well, it's interesting because you know there's a whole set of beliefs that we as humans tend to be operating from. There's a whole set of beliefs that we as Americans operate from. As an African American, there's a whole other subset of beliefs mm-hmm. that we're operating from culturally. And then as a gender, as females. There's a whole other set of beliefs that we're operating from. It was very fascinating, and, and one of the reasons for me that I had to really begin my, my journey to juiciness with self-care is I really did need to kind of peel the onion back and, and, and get to the core of where this worthiness or lack of worthiness or this tending to our own needs or filling our own spirit last or least and not at all. I'm like, where did that come from? And a lot of it is perpetuated, though it may not have been initiated way back when, whenever it started, but a lot of it is perpetuated by other women. And so, you know, as I look at my mother, I did not see self-care modeled. Um, She was constantly in motion and constantly on the go and constantly on her feet. Oh, yeah. But then I saw my dad come home from work. They both worked, and, and, and at one point they both had their own businesses. But my dad would come home, and he'd be on the couch reading the newspaper. My mom worked, but she'd come home, and she was on her feet in the kitchen. And I said, okay, even as a young person, I said, this, you know, how did, how did this rap get written up this way, that the female's in the kitchen and the male's over here, and they both worked, and, you know, they're both putting out all this psychic energy, and, and the woman probably even more, because sometimes there's a, a whole level of nurturing going on with the kids that, that may not be happening with the, with the father in the house. I said, so, you know, I, I didn't like the way that scene looked, and I thought it was darn unfair. And at a young age, I said, you know, I'm not interested in that particular um, software program. I, I'm not interested in that. And so I started with self-care, which was really asking, what is it that fills Sabrina's spirit up? And every single woman, the answer to that question is as unique as we are. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine today who's a, a prosecutor with the city of Seattle and mm-hmm. she's taken some leave off and she was stressed out because now they're disputing does she get leave with pay or not and she's on medical leave. And I could hear in her voice that she had not taken time to recenter herself, that she had gotten completely consumed in this question of whether she was going to receive compensation or not and the approval she had to get to get final clearance. And she had not stopped to do whatever it was that filled her spirit and brought her back to herself and her center. So that's one simple thing. And, and if I ask a woman, what is it that recenters you? What do you do that you know mm-hmm. for sure will fill your spirit up and put you in a state of joy? Every woman has to have at least enough intimacy with herself to answer that fundamental question. Because you can't ask anybody else. Well, what is it that puts you in a state of joy, Dr. Pat? You've got to know the answer to that. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I, I'm really clear about that. The minute you started to talk about that, Debrina, for me, I immediately saw one of my favorite beaches on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. Mm. And I'm a New York girl. I'm from New York City. Mm. So you can imagine what it was like for me to get off the plane the first time I went to Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. And I happened to have some friends there that gave me sort of the inside track. So the minute that you mentioned that, the very minute you mentioned that, I was right there at Cavello Bay. Mm. It's this little part on the island of Oahu that no one knows about. You actually have to walk 
through the woods to get there to this beautiful, beautiful uh, cove. And the reason that I love it, I mean, as I'm talking with you, I I can feel the warm air Mm. because that's what that does to me. Now, why do I have to travel 3,000 miles, you know, to make that happen? I don't know. But it is one aspect of knowing and being able to appreciate what puts me at peace. The question is, can I bring that beautiful beach into my life every day? Right. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's how I know we have a creator that loves us. (laughs) Because we have the ability to go to that beach every day. You know, we watch movies, and there can be a very sad scene in the movie, a flat screen, actors we don't even know, acting according to scripts and makeup and lighting, and we can be moved by the flat screen, and we can end up having a lump in our throat or crying or being afraid if there's a horror scene. So the same way that a movie takes us there, the creator gave us the ability to create an inner movie about whatever we desire. And the powerful thing is our, is our subconscious mind, depending on how much we infuse the inner movie with sight, sound, color, taste, feel, smell, it doesn't know that we're not at the beach, literally. And so your body's response will be the same as if you were physically there on Oahu. Now, the, 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 the unfortunate thing is there are a majority of us that don't ever utilize that gift. It's, you can call it imagery, you can call it visualization, but I call it the ability to create live, in technicolor, Dolby surround sound movies inside of ourselves. And the powerful thing is that when we stop and take time to do that, which enough of us don't do, you power up the movie. And when you power up any image, enough, it will pop, cross over, and show up in the third dimension, meaning the, the physical world. And so it's about the, the space you're in when you're on that beach. And you can intentionally put yourself in that space every day using visualization. And when you come out, for example, I have a, a, a prayer closet um, off of my master bedroom that is my space to do my centering work, to go to my beach or whatever Debrina's beach is. And when I come out of there, even though I may have gone in stressed out, some anxiety, thoughts and concerns, when I come out, it, I'm in the state as if I'm on that beach. And so you can actually exist in almost like a par- um, in a parallel universe where you can walk into the bank or the gas station and you just came from the beach and you're in that state. And people are wondering, why is she so, they'll call it happy. It's not happy. It's inner peace and joy is flowing in you. And so every one of us can choose to put ourselves in those kind of spaces and states every day, but we have to use the spiritual gift that the Creator gave us, and too many of us don't. So that would be yet another um, uh, um, practice that um, I would recommend is that we, instead of reading about the power of visualization, that we actually start to get into the practice of it and access this amazing tool um, that is at the disposal of every single one of us. Well, you know, let's when we look at this, I mean, ask the question to people, and the question is, you know, wouldn't you love to have the absolute life you desire? Yeah. Wouldn't you love for your wildest dreams to show up so easily, so accurately? 
you know, wouldn't you love, I mean, and, and so most people would probably say, yeah, I would, but if we let our minds think for a minute, we might answer, well, not really, because behind all of this is, Debrina, how the heck is all of this going to happen? Right. You know, here's my desire to be juicy in every aspect of my life, a right. juicy bank account, a juicy love affair, or maybe something longer than a love affair, yes. juicy help, juicy wealth, yes. juicy friends, all of this juicy, the big J everywhere. The big J everywhere. I want the big J everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, that's why I'm talking to Debrina jackson Gandy because you're going to help all of us uh, realize, first of all, that this is not a pipe dream. That's right. But yet we've been sort of conditioned to think it is. How do we turn that around? Well, what you just described is a prosperous life. Prosperity is not just a financial is is not something that just relates to the financial dimension. It's well-being and wellness and health in all those critical sectors of our lives and it like you said it's not a pipe dream. That's actually how we were intended to be not just living, but thriving. But because we have fallen into ignorance and fallen into a trance and gotten um, seduced by the beliefs that are gripping too many of us in the world, we start to believe it's not attainable. And so the first place that you got to start is, do I believe that it is possible for me to have flow and well-being in every area of my life? And a lot of us, you know, maybe one area, maybe two, but all areas pushes our threshold out and kicks it way out. The second thing is, okay, well, what does a juicy life for you look like and feel like? So there's the what question. What? Tell me the what. Don't worry about the how. That's God's business. Stay in your lane. What does it look like and why? Do you want a juicy relationship? Don't just tell me you want a juicy relationship. Describe it for me. Break it down. Make it plain. Be very clear. And then tell me why that matters to you. That's the domain that we're responsible for, the what and the why. But what happens with our Western mind that's always trying to figure everything out and control everything, we keep bleeding over into God's lane. Well, how's that going to work? Well, when is it going to happen? Well, who's it going to make this, make, this, make this happen? We're all off purpose. So if, if we can just pull our little selves back into the arena that we need to stay in, stay there, be complete and thorough about getting crystal clear about the what and the why, we charge up and we increase our vibration. And the higher your vibration, the more magnetic pull you have to draw to you and line up the circumstances, the people, the situations. You also call in agents and angels and heavenly hosts and all kinds of forces mobilize when the vibration gets high enough. But we're all off, off track, all in the other lane, weaving and bobbing, instead of staying in our lane, getting clear. So it seems so simple, but you can get a room of women together and say, do you want a juicy relationship. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I want you to describe it to me as if I'm an alien from another another planet. You got to be very specific. You got to be you got to be very descriptive, and I got to get it over here. A lot of us would just say, "Well, I just want more intimacy." Well, that's another word that describes something that you want. Get me to the source. 
Tell me what it looks like and feels like. Tell me how you're interacting. Tell me how you're engaging. And so there's some work we have to do that is not the, the, the universe's work or the angel's work. And too many of us are not fulfilling the assignment that we're supposed to be tending to. So that is the next order of business. Okay, first you got to know what gets you centered so you can either so you can even put yourself in a space to think about what and why. And then don't just think about it. Charge it up by having a visual of it. Charge it up by writing it. Charge it up by spending time, what I call basting your mind with the thoughts and the images every day. And then if you can have a support partner who's also committed to a juicy life, have somebody be a witness and tell them. So when you have all those ways that that reality is getting reinforced and charged up and amped up, there's no way that it can't come about. Now, it may take longer than you want, but it may be a matter of when but not if. And so those are some of the, the, the simple ways that we can start to bring about the juice, the, the big J. The big J is what the we're talking J. about. We're talking about the big J. Right. I want to make sure that everybody tuning in right now, you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basili, and certainly I want to introduce you to my very special guest today, Debrina Jackson. Gandhi is joining me here today, and we want to invite you to join us in this conversation. If you're looking at your life and you're thinking, I want a little of that juicy stuff in mind, but you're not really sure how to kick it up, I want to open up these phone lines, which are toll-free yeah, for just about everywhere, 877-876-5227, 877-876-5227. You know, we'd like to bring you on board to get your question up here and to have you have a chat with Debrina because she knows a lot about this. You know, Debrina, I want to take a minute and make sure that we give out your website. Let's do that right now. Wonderful. Debrina's world is www.debrenasworld, all one word, dot com. And I also have a, a wonderful three CD set called Holistic Success that really does help people start to break down and really access the, 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 the fundamentals of how to create a juicy life. It looks at mind, body, spirit, money, and relationships. So, Folks can also go there and find out about how to invest in a holistic success CD set. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I love, if you don't have Debrina's book, All the Joy You Can Stand, this is something that you're going to want to check out. As a matter of fact, you know, while we're waiting for folks to figure out if they want to call in today and get a and get some real-time help, I wanted to ask you, I've been looking over the book, and I, and I love reading this. I love opening it up, and it doesn't matter what page it is. It's a page I need to read. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I opened the book up earlier today, and I and I and I got to one of the the principles in the book that's called "Ask and You Shall Receive," mm. and you address that in the book. And I wanted to talk with you about that because you know we are looking at, uh, at talk, first of all, we're looking about at juiciness yeah. and becoming juicy women, and yet I think sometimes we compromise at the place of truly, truly asking for what we want. Right. How do we get past that crust and get to the place where we stop compromising on our greater good? Yeah. Well, it's, it's very fascinating to watch how this law plays out mm-hmm. because 
it plays out perfectly. And even right now, I mean, a lot of times we think about ask and we shall receive, and we think about a future reality that we want or the juicy life or relationship or body or finances that we want, and we're thinking future. But right now, if we look around our lives, everything in our lives, the, the state of your relationships right now, your body right now, the relationship with your children, if you have them right now, your bank account right now, everything is a function of ask and receive. Now, the question is, is what have you been asking for? And a lot of us are unconscious about what that's been, and the law has been working, and we haven't been intentional. I remember having a, a conversation with a girlfriend of mine who, had, who was, at, at that point, she'd been married 15 years, and she was this very vibrant woman, very juicy woman, but was married to a man who at that time was very, I'll say, a dried-up man <laughs> and was not a reflection of her at all. And when I would talk to her periodically, because she wasn't a complainer, but once in a while she would just get so frustrated, and she would tell me, oh, he's not affectionate, and he's not this, and he's not that, and I wish he would do this, and I wish he would do that. And I said... Well, where in yourself did you ask for a husband who is not affectionate, a husband who is not recognizing the gem and the treasure that you are? And it made her stop in her tracks because it was, you know, it was all about he needs to get himself together and he's got some, some, some flaws. And some I said, issues. Right. I said, but hold <laughs> up. Let's just spend this for a minute and maybe it's going to give you access somewhere or to some aspect of this that right now is in your blind spot. I said, what if here's the game? You ask for this at some level because it's what you got. And in that moment, she had an aha because in her family, in it, the, the women have a history of being alone or really bashing men and having some serious blockages and issues about men and she was one of the few women in her entire lineage of aunts and cousins and grandmas that was married but she didn't realize that she was still holding residue from that gender programming that female lineage in her family and had concluded and didn't know it that if you're married just to have a husband is better than no husband at all and that whole whole rap so she didn't even realize that she had settled and that to have a juicy husband who completely adored her and got who she was and was on point and responsible and present was even a possibility based on what was in the air in her family and what entered her ears and the conversation she overheard. So she at some level had been asking for the behaviors because that's all she thought was possible when you're dealing with a man, according to the programming in her family. And so ask and, and receive is working perfectly right now. And so we first got to stop and be truthful about, well, what have I been asking for? And tell the truth about that and say, okay, is this my, what my highest vision is for myself? And then we have to get intentional versus being unconscious about it, get intentional about asking, and then we have to believe that's the second step. Um, because I can ask for $50,000, but if the largest check I've ever seen with my name on it is 1800 that can be quite a stretch for me, and I can't quite believe it yet. 
So we have to be able to believe in order to receive. The believing makes space for the receiving to happen. But the law is already working perfectly. The question is, what have we been asking for, and is that okay with you? And if not, let's get intentional about the ask. Well, let's get intentional about the ask. And, you know, if we compromise, and this has to do with belief systems, which you also addressed so wonderfully, you know, um, you call it get conscious about your BS. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, get conscious about your BS. You know, if I'm sitting here and I'm saying, boy, I want the juiciest relationship of my life to show up, and yet I'm not emotionally I'm saying it like, uh, I think I want the relationship. Uh, you know, what I'm saying is, we can't, can't we give the universe these mixed messages based on our vibration? You know, and the belief systems that click in, even though we, you know, we, we say the words yeah. that I want that million dollar account, yeah. we actually don't believe it. Right. Yeah, the, you know, I talked about you know, what's our business and what's the universe's or God's business. And on the side of our business, um, congruency is one of the requirements. So exactly like you said, I say that I want to release um, 20 pounds, and yet I am putting into my mouth um, high-carb desserts five days a week. So the truth is, is that my desire to release the weight and my understanding of the difference it might make for me is not yet strong enough for my choices and my behaviors and my actions to be congruent with what I say I want. Now that creates tremendous agony and suffering for us because we become the ones that are choosing the incongruent actions, which keeps us delaying having what we want, which keeps us in suffering, and then we make up all these stories about while we're suffering, that keep us in suffering. It's this crazy, insane cycle. So, yes, we have the responsibility of, to the best of our ability, choosing congruence. We say we want A, having actions and behaviors congruent with A. And if we're not seeing what we want come about, it either needs to be amped up more and we need to base it more with the vibrations that that accelerate it coming about and or we are still being too incongruent around whatever that ask is. It is such a critical aspect of being juicy. And I want to talk about this, you know, for many folks listening to the show right now. I've got to ask you one question. If you look at your life, and, you, and, and right now we're going to talk about the juiceometer. <laughs> the juiceometer we're going to talk about. Here, here's it. the question for everybody listening to the show. Get your juiceometer out. Put down on a piece of paper a scale from 1 to 10. Yes. 10 being juicy, juicy, juicy. Now, take a look at your life overall and give yourself a number on a scale of 1 to 10. Where are you with being juicy? Yes. And that means your whole life. I, and I love to, you know, this to invite people to take a look at this, not from a point of view of looking at the lack or the glass half empty, but to get an assessment of whether or not everybody listening to the show, you know, myself and you, Debrina, are we happy if we filled out that, you know, one to ten, juiceometer, right on the line, mm. and we sitting down there and we put a five down. Yeah. Is that okay? Are we okay with that? Mm. 
And, you know, that's kind of the question when we look at that. You know, if you're putting a five down, what aspect of your life, perhaps, are you not feeling the juiciness? I mean, you're squeezing that delicious orange, and, it's, you know, the juice is just pouring out of it. Mm. Isn't that the succulence that we want in all aspects of our lives? Right. I want to mention to everyone uh, that if you have a comment or question or want to join in on this conversation, as always on the Dr. Pat Show, you can give us a shout, 877-876-5227. But, you know, Debrina, as we look at that, let's call it juiceometer, yeah. and we look at how we assess ourselves and our lives, yeah. is, it, is it important to almost play the recording forward and maybe not ever even thinking that our lives are less than a 10. What, what, what's your take on that? Well, I it's think... It's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the way we frame um, the yardstick, you know, that we kind of hold up to determine. Because, see, another part of this process because there's a certain level of vibration that will bring things forward into the third dimension, the physical world. One of those energies is gratitude and appreciation, high vibration. That's why there's so much about gratitude and appreciation and gratitude journal. It's because of the vibration when you are in appreciation and gratitude. So part of how to bring about what you are asking for intentionally asking for or your or your juicy life or finances or relationship is you um, pour appreciation on what is right now even if it's a five a two a nine and it isn't about judgment it's about appreciating what is because the appreciation of what is is actually um, fertilizing so to speak um, the asking and so it's not about what's wrong, what's off. It's like, okay, here's where it is. This is what is. Don't let me beat myself up and whip myself to death. Here's what is. Let me be appreciative. Let me be grateful. Now, do I desire to move this number up to a 7 or 8 or a 9? Yes, no. Yes, I do. Great. What does it look like, feel like? How am I behaving at an 8? What's going on at an 8? So you can't just leave it a vacuum. You have to place your order with the universe. So, um, so to come back to your question, it, it's, it's about being grateful and appreciative of what is, what is so, because we can't change that. It's our previous choices brought us to how it is right now, five or three, whatever. And then from there we move into creation, which is what and why, and being clear and being specific and being sure that we have the belief capacity for whatever that ask is, and then we're removing incongruencies. And that really is the formula. Then you can, you can power yourself up by joining with other folks, moving in the same direction, desiring the same things. That accelerates the whole manifestation process. Um, but that's really it. That really is the science of creation and manifestation. You can call it the law of attraction. But the whole universe operates on those simple principles. Well, let's talk about the F word for a minute. You know, F is in fear. Because, you know, this is, I always like to save the juicy part of this transformation towards the end of the show. Mm. But yet, 
you know, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you, I've been scared. There have been times in my life where I've been really, really scared. Yeah. Now, I have to tell you, out of those times I've been scared, you know, I, I could think about 10% of those times where there was an absolute need for me to be scared. For the rest oh, right. of the 90%, that was just some things I've made up in my mind. Let's address fear and what you, what you mean, Debrina, when you say face your fears. Well, I, I'm really quite fascinated by this whole concept of fear because <laughs> in the last five to ten years, um, there's been a whole bunch said about it and written about it, and, and it represents a certain state. And we are talking about that state a lot. Well, why is that? Well, I kind of started to dissect what is fear. Okay, fear has a physiological, uh, has physiological characteristics, right? We become very aware in our senses. Our, our healing becomes sharpened. Our, our eyesight, the slightest movement, you know, our heartbeat quickens. We can actually feel our heart beating in our chest. Um, so everything is heightened. Okay, well, that actually can be quite useful to be kind of hyper-aware because most of the time we're under-aware. But it's what we associate that state with and the meaning we give it. And usually what happens is when, and I don't mean when our life is threatened or a mad dog is chasing us because we have an instinctual fear response, but I'm talking about in terms of our daily lives and and um, just you know, conducting ourselves. Well, when fear comes up, what happens is that we contract. We withdraw from life. And we, we go into a, a, um, a small space. We pull ourselves in, you know, almost like an octopus taking its tentacles and just pulling it all into a ball. So instead of saying fear, I've started to replace that word with contracting. Okay, why am I contracting in this situation? Or even as friends may say, oh, my gosh, you know, it's, fear is stopping me. No, I'm contracting from life in this area. Why are you contracting? Because we're designed to expand into life. Um, I remember being in a training with a, 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 a um, corporate client one time, and it was a diversity uh, training uh, course they had hired me to do. And one of the participants said, well, to be wary of new things is just human as a justification for when you meet people that look different, differently than you or have a different cultural background or M.O., that the natural response is to become wary and cautious. And I said, au contraire. But he was operating from that belief, which I'm sure um, dictated what his relationships were like with people that were different from him. I said, au contraire. Do you have kids, sir? And he goes, well, no, I don't. And I said, well, get yourself around some kids, kids that are under five. They haven't gone to school and start to be socialized yet in, in, a, in an institutional setting. And when they encounter newness, they look at it with awe, they poke it, they pick it up, they move towards it. They do not make judgment. They do not create barriers of separation. And um, there's a curiosity about it. I said, so I, I invite you to change your law that you're operating from, that we learn how to treat new or different with caution, suspicion, and then a contracting or fearful response. But it's not our natural state. Watch a little human being, and they will tell you what our natural state should be. And so we learn to contract from certain things. 
and really we want to be expanding. And if we get conscious about the things that are causing us to contract versus just saying, I'm in a contracted state, and we kind of dissect it and break it down and keep peeling the onion back, we get to a place of freedom and say, oh, my gosh, that's why I was contracting. (laughs) You know, and we can chuckle at it. Um, And like you said, 90% of the time we've made up a story that we are completely in bondage behind. You know, public speaking is supposedly one of the greatest fears of people, something that causes them to contract. Well, what's happening is... Because we're so self-judgmental, we become very judgmental of other people. And the greatest fear, so to speak, fear people have is the judgment of other people when they're in front of a room. Public speaking in in and of itself, just talking a little louder to a group of people, isn't, you know, quite that harrowing of an experience. But it's the judgment and being in front of other people and, and we think everybody will be picking us apart as we're up there in front. Really, they're pulling for you. They think it's courageous. They can't wait to hear what you have to say. They're not up there going, oh, that jacket doesn't match this shirt. (laughs) That's what we think people are doing, but it's completely made up. And that's where the fear of public speaking comes from because of the judgment that we think people are doing inside their heads about us. So um, most things, if if we kind of break it down, we can start to access the source of our contracting, and then we can at that point make a new choice to expand into life in that particular arena. Well, you know, and part of this, and I had this conversation earlier today, Debrina, and it has to do with moving from fear to faith or fear to trust or whatever you want to say, and that kind of leads me to, you know, the question for you, is given all that we've talked about today and all that you do, and I want to thank you, how do we wrap this whole thing up into a ball that is connected to spirit, so to say? Yeah. Because, I mean, this is a conversation. We've now referred to it as the universe, as energy, whatever that is. Yeah. You know, there is something that's operating that most people will say, yep, I definitely know that, but I'm not really sure if that thing that's operating is on my team. Ah, yeah. (laughs) That's good. That's a good one. Well, um, you know, particularly when tragedies happen, where there's death or the ending of life or a season of life, because energy can neither be destroyed um, or created, it, it, complete, it continues to recycle. But we tend to hold death as a bad thing, but it's part of a cycle. But when tragedies happen with humans, we will go to how could the Creator, how could God, how could Allah, Jehovah, whatever the name that may be assigned to that source energy, we now say, how could you allow that to happen? But if you just had a blessing... If you just woke up and your heart is still beating and your eyes blink on their own and you can taste and see and smell and love and touch, do we say, how could you allow this to happen? We don't think of the blessings that even in taking a breath or, um, you know, just the, you know, the flower opening, how does it know to open? Does it have a spring inside of it? How does it know to open to the sun? Oh, my God, how could you allow this to happen? But we don't ask when it's the blessings that are part of everyday life. 
But when it's a tragedy, how could you allow this to happen? Uh, uh. And then we focus on the supposed tragedy that often is a sequence and a, and a um, what would you call it, a questing of events that have been brought about by humans. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been there. Uh, you know, yeah. I've been, and I've shared this story many times with our listeners. Uh, you know, what? how do you define a tragedy? Well, for me, you know, uh, being part of a, a downsizing uh, and, and, you know, as part of that organization, I was the person that impl- was supposed to implement the downsizing program. And, you know, here I am in a top HR position, and now I'm part of the downsizing because, you know, my values didn't align. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing to know that you believe in something. It's another thing to stand up for it. Mm. Yeah. But if we don't do that, Debrina, how do we fight for the truth of who we are? Well, I I think it begins, you know, each of us is like a point of light. And you can take a flashlight, which is only a few points of light coming together to, to, to create some illumination on the floor, or you can take points of light and they can become a laser beam and cut through steel. But it starts with one point of light plus one point of light plus one point of light. So as you wake up, and I wake up, and then we connect, then we're able to do a radio show together, and then the people listening are blessed by it. And then those people become points of light that join ours. And so it really does start with a person, because each of us is a point of light and a point of power. But I think we often find ourselves in a world that have us looking outside of ourselves, waiting for the answer to occur in a vacuum, not realizing that we are the agents of change. We are who we've been waiting for. And so it really does start one person at a time. And then as we awaken, we connect with other awake people till there's more people awake than still in the trance and still in the matrix. So the things that we're talking about, really it, it starts with the person and each of us getting um, more well and more clear and more truthful and more connected to the source energy. Um, because those of us who are more connected to the source of life and what it is that is behind our eye being able to blink or the flower being able to open up and that have worked on removing the blockages, just removing the blockages so the river can flow. That's what it's designed to do is flow. So just get the logs out of the way that have been thrown in by you or other people. But the nature of the river is to flow. So we don't have to try to make the river flow or any of that. We just got to get the, the debris out of the way that has inhibited or hindered the flow. And when we're in flow, we experience juiciness. Well, I'll tell you, I'm all for debris-free. <laughs> I am like so, that's like going to be my new term now, you know, as the creator of crust-busting, debris-free. There, there we go. You know, that's it, <laughs> debris-free. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember being at about 12,000, I don't know, 12,000, 15,000 feet up in the air. On, a, on, a, on this little airplane that had no seats, it was my gift to myself uh, to skydive. I always wanted to skydive. I always loved it. Always wanted to do it. Never did it before. But I just finished my Ph.D., and I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to go up in the plane. Get up in this plane, and, you know, first of all, I didn't think the plane was going to make it up there. Get in the plane. <laughs> no seats in the plane. I'm in there with the, with the other skydiving experts. 
They're falling asleep as the plane is going up. You know, I'm sitting there and thinking, what's happening? We're, dry, we're flying, flying, flying up 12,000 feet, and it starts to get cloudy. And the pilot says to me, you know, we're not supposed to do this. We never are supposed to dive through clouds. Okay. But he says, I'm up here now. You're up here now. Do you want to get out now and do this, or do you want to wait and come back up? Mm. Now, mm. that's kind of an interesting decision to make. Yes. Using it as, for me, I use this whenever I have to make tough decisions. Yes. Because I didn't even blink. I said, oh, we're jumping now. I'm not doing this again. You've got to be kidding. I've, I have just, we got up here, we're rattling. I want out of this plane now. And I made that decision. And the minute I made that decision, what kicked in was every level of inhibition, fear, questioning, and doubt. Yes. So as we wrap this up, how important is it for us to look at our intuition and our gut? And that, that to me, it was a clear, there was no question. Mm. There was no question about it. Mm. I will say that jumping out of a plane at that level at that, with clouds and not knowing for a minute your mind kind of works, you know, you're going 120 miles an hour and you're not really seeing what you're going, Boy, do you have to trust everything about what you're doing. So my question as we wind up this time, how do we tell the difference between true intuition in guiding us and that which might be debris? Well, I call our intuition our IGS. You know, the same way we have a GPS and so many vehicles now, a uh, global positioning system, we all have an IGS, an internal guidance system. And the, the message comes from, I have found, two different locations. If it's my, I call it my crazy bull mine, where the bull's running all over, knocking <laughs> China over in my head, there tends to be a lot of pro, con, weighing the positive and the negative, what are the consequences, and there's kind of like quite a bit of mental um, dialogue in tennis that's going back and forth across the net. And it tends to feel like it's more up in my head area. But when it's our IGS, it comes from a place more near the center of our body, if it could have a, lo- if it could have a location, our solar plexus, hence the reason butterflies in the stomach um, and you know there's something that's happening in the middle of our bodies that's really kind of our base mm. and the the message tends to be pure and simple and direct and there's no going back and forth and mental chatter and it's just very complete oh you're going you're going you know, you're jumping you know you're jumping it's you're not going you, yeah. know, <laughs> you know depending on what the scenario is but because um, there was many people um, on the day of the 9-11 attacks that their intuition said, do not get on this plane. Yep, that's right. It, and they heeded it, and they didn't argue with it, and it came from a place deep in the well of themselves. That's right. And, and they heeded it. And so our IGS is giving us messages all the time, complete, pure, simple, and direct, that if we have too much chatter or 
the crazy bull mind is the only mind that we have been uh, listening to. We can miss the messages and the blessings that come as a result of heeding. But again, the more that we connect to, to source energy, God, Allah, Jehovah, whatever you want to call that, by getting still, getting centered, putting our butts down on the ground and doing some breathing, the clearer the IGF signal gets. I love this. Debrina, thank you so much for joining us today. Debrina Jackson Gandy. Thank you, Dr. Pat. I love it. And I want everybody to check it out, www.debrinasworld.com or go right to the drpatshow.com, T-H-E-D-R-patshow.com. Check it out. Links to her website. This archive will be up in no time. Thank you so much for a juicy, juicy hour of talk radio. My pleasure. Have a great evening. To everyone tuning in and listening to the show, make sure that you get a copy of the book, All the Joy You Can Stand, all of the principles, some of which we talked about today, are there for you. Until next week, right here on bbsradio.com, uh, this is your host, Dr. Papasilli, saying, step out to the world and know that you've got everything inside of you to say yes to juiciness. We'll see you back here next week right on the Dr. Pat Show. Hi, this is Marco May. 